Hi, everyone. It's your podcast host, Jim Andrews, here with a reminder that the Ticket Manager Partner Summit is back. We'll be getting together in person on October 17th this year at the Times Center in New York City. This is a free, invitation-only event where hundreds of business leaders across the world's most influential brands in sports, sponsorship, live events, and ticketing gather to make great connections and share valuable information. Approved attendees enjoy exclusive networking events, insightful panels, and exciting celebrity speakers, all for free. Are you interested in attending? Just go to ticketmanager.com for details on how to apply. Welcome to Ticket Manager's All Access Interview Series, engaging leaders from across the sports marketing spectrum to identify and explore critical issues in the business of sports, entertainment, sponsorship, activation, ticketing, hospitality, and even more. I'm your host, Jim Andrews. Joining me on this episode is Carl Thomas, Senior Vice President of Sales and Platform Development for ASM Global. Welcome, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. Jim, thank you for having me. Really looking forward to this. Always a pleasure to visit with you. Yeah, likewise. I won't bore the audience with all the details of of how you and I know each other and how far we go back. You have such a a wealth of experience in in sports and and partnerships outside of sports as as well, from uh, creating the, the Bud Light U.S. Triathlon Series to heading partnerships for Universal Studios and all of the things that you've done. People can certainly Google you or check out your LinkedIn if they'd like to know more about that. I also think of you as kind of the the, the Michael Corleone of, of our business, because it seemed like maybe a couple of years ago, you were on to doing some of your own stuff. You have the great podcast, Best Boss Ever, which you were kind enough to have me on as a guest. But then it seems like you got pulled back in, just like he did, and uh, are now with, uh, with ASM Global. So let's start out by just talking about ASM and, and really, you know, kind of uh, telling us a little bit of the background, maybe how, how you ended up there. But, uh, but just want to talk about the company in general as well. It's, it's a brand that is just three years old, but it's built on some, some pretty long and uh, legacies in the venue management and events services business. So, so you know, just tell us a little bit about who is ASM Global today and, and what you're doing there. ASM Global really, from our perspective, may well be the greatest story never told in our industry. To your point, three years old, the result really of a merger between the old line Spectacore Management Group, SMG, Philadelphia-based, 45 years old, who in 2017 sold to a private equity firm in Toronto, Onyx Capital. The other side of the merger is the AEG and Schutz Entertainment Group facilities management business. And that's you know, there's a distinction there. Everyone who knows AEG and most everyone who listens to this 
does know AEG. This is different from the venues and properties that they own outright. For example, they own Crypto.com Arena, formerly Staples. They own the LA Kings. They own Dignity Health Sports Park, which is where the LXA LA Galaxy MLS team plays. Then they also own the Galaxy. They own the O2 in London and a variety of other venues across the world. But at the same time, they managed facilities in very much the same way that SMG did. And so the wisdom of those two entities joining forces for the scale of the enterprise made perfect sense. The merger occurred in October of uh, 2019, and five months later, the world shut down. And let's be clear, we, we live... We, the newly minted ASM Global, live for only one reason, and that is to host live events across our broad, uh, wide uh, enterprise in you know four different venue types, convention centers, stadiums, arenas, and theaters, and we're a global company. So <clears throat> there wasn't one part of our industry from a geographic perspective that wasn't severely impacted by COVID. So then you were brought in just earlier in in 2022 to create a a national partnerships program. So so what you know what does that look like given the, the nature of the business? Are we talking about kind of a, a network of all of those venues? You know I, I'm very intrigued by by it and, and and would ask you just to tell us a little bit about how how it works. Does it you know overlap with you know some of those individual uh, venues and and their partnership sales efforts? How do you how do you put put all that together? Right. It's a little bit of a Rubik's cube. But while the official start date, quote unquote, was February of this past year, uh, I really started as if you will, a full-time consultant way back in May of 2021. Wow. And that was, you know, six weeks after the new CEO came on board, Ron Benzian, who I had the great pleasure to work with twice before. He recruited and hired me at Universal Studios back when he was the chairman of the theme park group there. And then a few years later, he became the CEO at Tickets.com. I came in at his request to be the chief rev officer as well as the CMO. So we've had, you know, a great history together. And when he agreed to become the CEO at at ASM, we'd already had some, you know, back and forth on what the enterprise was, the challenges that he was facing, and fundamentally what had had never really occurred in the world of SMG, but clearly occurred all day, every day at the AEG group was sponsorship sales and the effective packaging and selling of a disparate number of geographies, venue types, not only regionally here in the US, nationally here in the US, but optimally across the enterprise uh, overseas, principally in the UK and Europe. So what we looked at, and this is a fast forward to the direct answer to your question, in stark contrast to entities that own and operate venues, our group actually is a hired management company for venue owners, which are typically cities or municipalities 
or counties or authorities that have been created to sort of oversee and manage the venue. And, and principally, the last thing cities want to do is figure out how to do everything from park cars to you know clean restrooms to effectively manage food and beverage operations booking acts booking shows managing team tenants and then ticketing all of the above right yeah, so the experts do that <laughs> exactly and and so now today 350 plus venues strong across the world without question by orders of magnitude the largest event management or sorry venue management company in the world. So what does that mean for commercial partners? Well, historically SMG, you know, they managed contracts and they and they worked for their clients which were and are venue owners. AEG on the other hand, very aggressive in sales and marketing. So when these two companies came together, I would say there was a little bit of a culture gap in terms of, you know, what, how, when, who, and how much. Uh, that said, the power of two things, really, the massive network and scale that we have that I just mentioned, suits commercial partners in literally any manner of KPIs they might bring to market, right? Whether it's regional, whether it's venue type, whether it's audience, whether it's market by market, right? They have 10 markets in the US that are their focal points. Likely that we can deliver a significant percentage, if not all of those 10 markets with one or the other of our venues, right? And when we actually asked ourselves the question, who are we really? And how do we compare to the rest of the industry, we learned a couple of things very quickly, all verified by data. One, if you aggregate all of our venues across the world together and link date, show, market, location, all of those kinds of things, we'll deliver in 2023 north of 165 million live guests across the world. That puts us number one. We're, we're bigger than the entire Disney construct in terms of live guest counts. But who knew that? The answer is no, nobody knows that. Um, so as we tell our story in the marketplace, we're opening a lot of eyes, uh, awakening a lot of buyers to the opportunity that exists to aggregate geography, aggregate arenas if they want to be in arenas, aggregate multiple venue types, and ultimately bring to bear live audiences that are the lifeblood and the reason why brands sponsor whatever they choose to sponsor, whether it's a venue, an artist, a show, uh, or a team. It's all about the live guest count, and it's all about how best to bring that brand to life inside a venue, which elevates and enhances the guest experience. So many questions I want to ask you about this because I, I think it's just a, it's a fascinating model. And I'll, I'll start with you know, over my career, I've known and worked with some organizations who have attempted to do something similar. Not not with venues, but maybe with with festivals or symphony orchestras. You know, kind of kind of you know bringing together, let's say, disparate uh, organizations, or in, in your case, you know. Uh, buildings that have different ownership and, and, and things like that. And there's definitely a, a, a herding cats element to that to get everybody kind of on the same page. You know, now that you're into the effort, you know, a year or more really, what are the, have you faced, you know, challenges in kind of, you know, getting everyone onto the, onto the same page? 
Oh, for sure. And I don't think that stops. Uh, the, the reality is there are so many different mindsets and and so many different uh, geographies out there that, you know, herding cats is probably a really, a really good analogy. The, the good news is that as we come to market and as we solidify agreements, like in 2022, there are a number of agreements that with brands that everybody knows it's in the same sentence. I will say there are a couple of brands that are less well-known. Charge Fuse, as an example, is one. Wicked Kitchen, plant-based protein company, looked at our portfolio, realized that we owned and operated our own food and beverage organization called Saver. We're across a uh, hundred venues with that Saver property. And then they realized that there was an opportunity for them to bring to market in a very cool way their offering in the in the plant-based world. And by the way, we did a lot of homework in, in plant-based food. Um, and, and I can tell you, you are talking to the number one skeptic in, <laughs> in terms of taste and texture, uh, if you will, quality. And, and I will right away tell you that I was blown away when I went to the Wicked Kitchen tasting. They had this wide variety over a four hour period where several of us, there were about eight of us that sampled everything they had to offer. And I think it, unanimous consensus that this was the best we had tried in terms of taste, texture, quality, skew count, array, that led to a very creative deal that um, is rolling out across Saver venues as we speak. So yeah, herding cats is a good way to say it. <laughs> the good the good news is w when you get you know like minded cats in the same place and they're generally speaking all happy. All the other cats look around and say, "Hey, there must be something going on here." Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like success to uh, right. to get people on board. Just tell me a little bit about uh, kind of how how you've structured the effort. You know, in terms of the team. You know, how you've been building that out. I know, and then maybe a little bit about how you're how you're taking this to market. Because again, it is not a a one size fits all proposition. Clearly, so just can you talk a little bit about kind of the, the mechanics of of uh, who and and how you're you're going to market with this platform. Mm -hmm. Right. Our, our chief commercial officer, Jason Overlander, who I report to and work side by side with, came out of Learfield, right? Mm -hmm. I, IMG before that, the NBA before that. So he's got long, deep, wide experience in, in this space. And in, in, in most recently, Learfield. Learfield doesn't own any venues either. That right. was all about packaging. And, and, and so, so he's very familiar with the challenges of the non-owned venue model if you will so the the we we are now 10 people in three distinct areas sales and back to the AEG partnership we have three designated AEG sellers that still are retained and employed by AEG Global Partnerships, but they are full uh, time assigned to ASM Global. Wow. We have marketing solutions led by Meg Little, and, and that's all about 
bridging the gap between the initial sales call, the client brief, the KPIs, the learnings about what the objectives are for the client or prospective client, and then creating a solutions-based platform that speaks directly to what we learned from the client about what their needs are, what their objectives are, what their goals are. And then and then that ends up going into our system so we don't surprise our general manager in Baton Rouge at Raisin Cane's Arena that we have a you know wicked kitchen deal coming down the pike and his naming rights partner is a uh, fried chicken, right? And then the third group is our customer success group. That's really once the deal gets struck and all of the venues and the appropriate folks have been vetted and signed on, this group's responsibility is to day-to-day manage the relationship and, if you will, bridge the gap. Um, and hopefully it's not a wide gap. Bridge the gap between the client Wicked Kitchen or Charge Fuse or Clorox and our venue operators, our venue systems, whether it's operations, whether it's marketing or whether it's commercial partnership sales. So that's the way we're structured. It's three legs of the stool. We we sell it, we package it, we integrate it, and then we, you know, spend a fair amount of time making sure that, you know, we are delivering in 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 hopes over delivering that which we promise to our commercial partners. Are there particular categories or industry segments that are kind of on uh, at, the, at the top of the list for you in terms of, of, of prospects? And, and are they uh, a mix of uh, of endemic to arena and, and arenas and buildings? Or, or are you also looking at kind of non-endemic categories across you know the, the usual suspects out there who are acting in sponsorship? Basically, who who are you interested in? Who are you, who are you going after? Who would you love to have? Well, what, what has dramatically changed? But the answer is all the usual suspects and then those who might be unusual. So it's easy to talk about the usual. Where's the unusual? And I think what we've learned over the past, call it 10 years, and more recently, you know, sort of brought to light in the wake of the pandemic and how we all operated, technology defined however you would want to from from software to, to hardware to the integration of same continues to grow and loom, I think, larger in the context of, of where opportunities are. So using what we all knew, at least you and I knew back in the day, was a hard ticket, right? I mean, it was it was paper. And, you know, so a lot of people's dens or offices are filled with name, you know, keepsakes of paper tickets from the WHO way back when. And what has dramatically changed, and this has been a 20-year process in the world of ticketing, going back to my tickets.com days, we were the leader back then at internet ticketing, which was kind of a interesting thing, right? You didn't have to go to Sears anymore to the third floor to figure out how to buy your ticket to the show. Um, you could actually do it off your computer. Those were the early days where bandwidth constraints, choke points, all of those kinds of things were de rigueur, right? They happened all day, every day. Fast forward 20 years, we still have a couple of what I would call friction points and pain points in the ticketing industry, but it's a whole lot more seamless today than it was back then. And you need to understand that part of the greatest story never told around ASM Global is we are arguably... Ticketmaster's largest global customer, other than 
what they do internally around the whole live nation construct and ownership scenario, right? Equally revealing from a performance artist roadshow perspective, we are one of, if not Live Nation's largest global customer for their talent. We are one of AEG Presents largest buyers of, of talent and tours and artists. And obviously there's some tension there sure. because AEG is, you know, part owner of ASM. Live Nation is not, but you cannot be in our business and not do business with all of those folks. Right. So it, it's 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 quite interesting. And and you know, with from the entertainment perspective, having spent a bunch of years in the entertainment industry, it depends on what day it is in terms of who you're friends with and who you aren't. But at the end of the day, you're you're friends with everybody because we're all in this industry and we all recognize where, how, when it's appropriate and actually desirable to be doing business with each other. In my previous career, when I was part of WPP and the holding company, the term frenemies was often used to describe that situation. One day, they could be best friends, and the next day, you were competing, and that it, it, it's the, the nature of a lot of global businesses, right? It so, is. The concept is alive and well. Let's yeah. just be real. It's, it's what we all live with. Exactly. Yeah, so you talk about technology and, and the ticket technology and, and certainly working as I do now with Ticket Manager has really opened my eyes to some of the advancements that are happening within venues, not just on the, the, the ticketing side, but but the other elements of the, the fan experience and, and operations. Are there other kind of technology developments that are that are happening within the arenas that uh, that ASM is managing that get kind of baked in or, or at least reflected in, in some of the partnerships? Absolutely. I think the most the most obvious, and it's not, but from our perspective, it is when you go back to the number of locations we have across the network and you walk into any arena or, or theater or even convention center, you will always see signage, whether it's digital signage, whether it's static signage, whether it's back clipboards or whether it's, you know, in, in the case of streaming, you know, the the wraparound in the Dactronics model or the ANC model or, or whatever. The reality is when you learn or understand our live audience volumes and components, you instantly recognize, well, if you can aggregate those audiences across a single platform and be able to package commercial partnerships, package digital advertising, package out-of-home agencies, you, you have, in in fact, created a massive, what I'll call, IPTV network. That's an easy thing for people to understand, but we are embarking on a very significant and high-priority initiative around what I just described, and that will uh, roll out over the course of 2023 on into 2024, we believe, rightly or wrongly, we think rightly, that we are the most well-positioned company because of our scale, because of our locations, because of the number of screens we actually have online today, that we can be in our industry potentially the most significant out-of-home digital network that augments 
and complements our commercial partnership strategy, both corporately as well as all the way down to the individual venue. Speaking of big undertakings that are happening next year and beyond, you just had a pretty exciting announcement in Las Vegas, which some people probably saw, maybe uh, others uh, didn't. So you know what, just fill fill the audience in on, on what the plans are for Game of Thrones in Las Vegas. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones Dragons is actually what the venue will be called. It's a 28,000 square foot building on a 50,000 square foot plot, 400 feet off the strip in Las Vegas. We announced it, uh, announced it uh, 10 days ago or so on the occasion of the Game of Thrones Comic-Con event in Los Angeles at the LA Convention Center. Um, <clears throat> so what it really is is it is it a little bit harkens back to our theme park days where we have this fully immersive land, if you will. We call it in-world. Once you cross the threshold and you're in the building, you are literally in Westeros. And for all of the Game of Thrones fans out there, and there are a lot of them, <laughs> certainly this is going to be a truly unique experience, and it's going to leverage and deliver all of the content, all of the IP from... The Iron Throne to the Dragon's Nest, where the eggs hatch, all the way to um, the the end game, which is going to be a fully immersive dark ride, if you will, uh, 8K, and it features you know all the cool things about the dragons. And by the way, leveraging off the recent House of Dragons prequel to Game of Thrones, which aired. <clears throat> This past fall, 22 to 25 million viewers per episode off the chart. Um, we're fully excited about it. And the good news is our managing partner, we are the operating partner. Managing partner, the, the initial one is in Las Vegas, but they have uh, worldwide rights to this content and the packaging conveyed by Warner Brothers and HBO. So it's very exciting time. It's early. The announcement just occurred. Uh, shovels go in the ground the first week of January. And, and, you know, still a little bit TBD on when the attraction or the immersive experience actually opens. But, you know, it's situated about 400 feet off the strip. It's literally right behind what is currently Bally's Casino. Caesars owns that. Caesars is our marketing partner in Las Vegas. And uh, Bally's is completely being rebranded right now to the horseshoe upgrade, facelift, the whole kit. That'll occur over the course of calendar year 2023. So by the time Game of Thrones Dragons opens, it will be a bright, shiny new thing. Not that Vegas needs another bright, shiny new thing. Because <laughs> oh, sure they do. Could always yeah, of course they do. <laughs> there are lots of those, but we feel blessed and really well positioned to you know leverage this this up, not just in Las Vegas, but around the country. Wow, oh, that's exciting. That really, really is. Carl, before I let you go, I have a question that I, I love to ask of, of folks who have been in the in the partnership game uh, for a while. You and I both qualify for that uh, because I always get a different answer. And I think really interesting perspectives. And the, basically the question is, is it easier or harder now to put partnerships together than it was 20, 30 years ago? I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Well, I could be long-winded on that one, but the simple answer is both. And it really depends, in my view, on the product, the package, the breadth and depth of what 
your selling proposition is, right? Um, we just talked about all the firsts that ASM Global can bring to bear in the marketplace. That said, it's not that easy a story to tell. We're getting better at it. We understand who we are and we recognize that there are lots and lots of options for buyers in the marketplace. But I think today, coming out of the out of the pandemic it, with, with NUCO, if you will, ASM Global, um, there are, I think, three very strong tailwinds as it relates to where we are in the marketplace today. One is in the wake of the pandemic, you had consumers, you, myself, and all of our friends and family, that couldn't go. They couldn't go out. They wouldn't go out. Sometimes it was a choice. Other times it was mandated. But the appetite that's pent up for live shows, live sports, live events in the marketplace is palpable. And you would have seen that in the second half of 2021. The second piece of tailwind is the artists, the teams, the talent themselves. We're doing Zoom concerts two years ago, right? Because that's the only thing they could do. Right. Now, they, they're dying to go out. You just, you know, despite the foibles of the on sale, Taylor Swift, two weeks ago, is arguably, right, the the high watermark. And it, it's not only in terms of volumes, but in terms of pricing and appetite. And she's loving it. And every artist is loving it because it's time to go back and perform in a live setting to live fans who love you. And the third part is this conversation. The sponsors, the commercial partners were also sidelined during COVID. And they are now super interested in getting back in a relevant way into the space they know performs for them against their KPIs. They know that it's highly valuable to reach their target audiences in places where those audiences are um, emotionally involved open to the the visual, the activation, the elements, the brought to you buys, all of those kinds of things. So I think those three legs of the stool for ASM Global represent, I won't say an easier sell, Jim, because selling in today's marketplace is not easy. It's no, because of the clutter, right? It's just, it's just, so our view is less is more, less noise, around what we are bringing to bear. And then the more part for us is the scale, the audience delivery, the audience segmentation, the geographic dispersion, all of those things we think um, bodes well for our group and the company at large in 2023. Carl, I can't thank you enough for, for joining me and, and having this conversation. You know, really great to learn more about what I think is, is it, you know, just it's always exciting when when you've got something new coming into the marketplace. And like we said, not necessarily new in terms of the the the, the venues themselves and the network, but, but what you've done in terms of creating this 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 platform and just how you're kind of envisioning how you've envisioned it and are bringing it to market. Always really interesting for for myself and I think for for all of us to to hear about it. So I appreciate you uh, sharing all of that with us. Well, my pleasure, Jim. And and as always, great to great to see you, great to hear you, great to have this conversation. It, there's a big opportunity out there, and we are at, at our core having fun doing it. Right. So thanks for having me. <laughs> Excellent. And 
On behalf of Ticket Manager, thank all of you for watching and listening. And please join us again for the next episode in the All Access interview series.